Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. All right, well, take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke will be in chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading from verse... We'll be in chapter 8. Sorry. I'm getting my numbers mixed up here. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to begin reading in verse 4 this morning. Luke records, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. Jesus teaches in this chapter by telling a parable of a seed that falls on four different kinds of soils. But only one soil holds any lasting impact from the seed. But the impact, the yield that it produces is absolutely unbelievable, more than a hundredfold. In other words, he's just saying it's greater than you could even imagine that it would produce. It's been said that you can count the number of seeds in a tree, but you can't count the number of trees in a seed. And how true that is. And he concludes by exhorting this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Friends, how we listen to Jesus through God's word is important for our lives. But first, I want to pause and I want to make an introduction today. I'm going to begin a new series today that will last the remainder of the summer into the early fall. The name of this series is simply titled Kingdom Secrets. Kingdom Secrets. It's a study of select parables in the Gospel of Luke. And and our aim is to help and to encourage our church in two ways. First of all, we want to set forth the plain and simple, the profound and eternal, the revealed truths of God's kingdom for us. And we want to do that in order that we might stir our hearts to greater faith in Jesus for salvation and to build up and strengthen us in our personal relationship and walking by faith in the power of of the Holy Spirit. Now there's a couple of key terms that I want to introduce to you this morning. The first one is simply this word kingdom. This word kingdom. How is it that God works? And what is life like under Jesus' lordship? That's what the word kingdom means in the scripture when we see it introduced. We come to understand the sovereign plan of God and how it is that we live under his divine rule in the world. And that rule is explicitly carried out by the rule of Lord Jesus. 
So learning to live in God's kingdom now for us is but a foretaste. It's just a, an introduction to the eternal blessing of presence with God in heaven. The second term I want to introduce to you today is the term parables. Parables are simply a method of teaching that Jesus masters for us while he was on earth and that we see in the scriptures. Jesus was able to teach the hardest of truths through the simplest of lessons. And I tell you, when you begin to teach and when you begin to stand in front of people and try to communicate a message, you realize how masterful Jesus was at this because you have something in your own mind and heart that you know you want to get across and as people's eyes glaze over, you go, oh, man, it's not getting there, right? And so you see how masterfully he taught that. But a parable is nothing more than just a story with a point that is taught with a specific purpose, but that reveals for us God's greater plan for our life. It's a unique and creative strategy for teaching eternal truths through stories that relate to real life. When I grew up, our Wednesday night discipleship and mission program in the church was led for several years uh, by one of my friend's fathers. And we affectionately referred to him as Andy Taylor because that's the way he would talk to us. Now, boys, y'all sit down. I'm going to tell y'all a story. And he would. And I'm pretty sure that was his way of seeking serenity from the madness that we were imposing upon him because we did that, I'm ashamed to say, intentionally. And we're proud of it. He goes, sit down, boys. And he would tell a story. And then he would draw out the point of that story and go, and that's what I want you to know. And I know in the back of his mind he was going, or I'm going to take you out right now. Uh, but he never said that out loud. One commentator describes these two terms in this way. He says this, secrets are truths which we could never discover for ourselves, but which God has revealed for us. Parables both reveal and conceal truth. They reveal it to the genuine seeker who will take the trouble to dig beneath the surface and discover the meaning. But they conceal it from him who is content simply to listen to the story. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5 says this, The purpose of a man's heart are as deep waters, but one of understanding draws them out. That's what we're aiming at here. Parables have a way of reorienting our understanding of God, of self, of the world, and of all the things that exist. And so when kingdom secrets come alive in us, or when you hear that word kingdom secrets, you, you can also understand this. It's revealed truth. God is working to reveal the truth of his word to us. And when his truth is revealed and comes alive in us, we access an unlimited love for our lives and even for all of those around us. You see, kingdom secrets, Secrets are stories taught with a point to serve this specific purpose to make Jesus' name, fame, and glory bigger in us and in the world through us. You see, kingdom secrets, the revealed truth of God, unleash a Christian to live for God's glory in this life and to make an eternal impact in the lives of others. 
These kingdom secrets aim to challenge you to consider your own life in light of these truths and the whole world in light of God's eternal wisdom as taught through these truths. So friends, we aim to stir the hearts of our people this summer that we might pursue a deeper faith in Jesus to walk by that faith in greater obedience. You know, that's what the disciples did. But they just missed it so often, right? I mean, they'd be like, oh, well, here's what he said. But wait, I think he's, I think he's saying something deeper. You know, sometimes you hear people say things. You go, I hear what you said, but mm, I feel something more going on in those words, right? And that's what the disciples were. But the fact of the matter is, so many times we see they missed it. They missed it. But... God would not let them remain in their missing. He would reveal it to them. And that's what I want us to see. This is Jesus' response. Let's go back to verse 9 and look at verses 9 and 10 and see what he says to them. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others... They are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. You see, Jesus quotes Isaiah there in the prophet, that this is a way of God and the way that he's proclaimed his message, not just with Jesus, but even from all eternity past. That's a simple and profound, eternal and immediate truths of God have always been presented presented in such a way that those who wanted to know them could know them, but those who had no interest would completely miss them. And once Jesus explains why it is that he teaches in parables, he then explains the parables for the disciples to understand. You see, the disciples are given true understanding because the secrets of the kingdom have been revealed to them. But to others, it has been concealed. Listen, friends, God's plan for his kingdom to spread is to plant the seed of his word in the hearts of those who want it. And really, it brings us to the question this morning, why don't people hear and understand? Why doesn't everyone hear it and know it the same? What Jesus says is that the posture of a person's heart determines whether they will hear the message that God is giving them. The number one reason people get nothing from God's word is simple. It's because they don't want it. We don't want what God has for us, but we want what we want, and we want it how we want it. And that's the way we regard his word so often in our life. We want it to say to us what we want to hear, because that's what we've already been saying to ourselves. We don't want it just to say what it already really says. So often this is not malicious or even a purposeful rejection. I'm convinced that many people miss Jesus, not because they outright look at him and reject him, but because in passing by him, they just simply dismiss him as if all the other things are equal to him. It's a byproduct of the kind of lives that we live that just don't take the time to honor God's word 
as what it is, the living Word of God. We so often will talk about how we love Jesus, but we have absolutely little, if any, relationship to His Word. And seeming, we hold in contrast that we can hold those two realities. When in fact, God's Word says, the way you treat my Word demonstrates the way you ultimately think about me. When we fail to hear God's word with expectancy in our heart, we're not ready to receive what God's word is saying to us. And so today I want you to see this. I want you to see that God's word gives abundant life to those who want it. To those who hear it, to those who hold to it, and to those who humbly trust in him. Might I invite you to ask yourself this morning, what kind of hearer of God's word am I? Do I hear it like I want it? Luke chapter 11 verse 28 says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's our aim in this passage. Go back with me to verse 11 and let's unpack the remainder of this parable for our application today. Now the parable is this, Jesus says. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Let's stop there for a moment. Here's the first of four soils in the way that we listen to the Word of God. Verse 12 says that those who have heard it, it's like falling on the path. And what happens is the devil comes and takes it away before their hearts can receive it and believe. You see, friends, hard soil is the person who hears, but because of the hardness of the soil, it never reaches the heart. And the longer that one lives without a heart that is softened and broken up, the harder it becomes. A number of years ago, I went on a mission trip to Nicaragua. And we were going into communities and restoring homes for people who had been devastated by a hurricane years before. And these people had been living in bisqueen and cardboard. And the ones who had really nice homes had some zinc tin around their walls. And they had absolutely nothing. And so, by God's grace, we were able to go in and on a plot of land, we were able to put anywhere from 30 to 50 new homes with a community center in the middle of those, preach the gospel, and hopefully bring a pastor into the midst of those and have a church planted in those areas. But the homes would be built in this way, about four feet high of cinder block, and then the remainder of the walls would be basically just wood planks with air flowing across the top and with a zinc roof. It, it's not something you and I would consider living in in this day and time, in this place. But at the end of the construction of the hut, we would take a big bucket of water and walk into the hut, dirt floors, and we would just begin to sprinkle the water through our hand onto the floor. And we would make sure that the entire floor of the hut got covered, working our way from the back out the front door. And once it had dried, we would come back in and do the same thing. We would do that four or five times in each hut. And do you know why? 
Because when water washes over dirt like that and the dirt remains unturned, it serves to harden the dirt. So what is intended to soften actually becomes the very agent that hardens. You see, the more that God's word runs over us without our life being considered in light of it, the harder the heart becomes towards receiving that work. And the harder the heart, the greater the toil to break up its fallow ground. How many of you have tried to break up some fallow ground in good old Missouri where dirt is spelled R-O-C-K? You don't need a shovel, you need a rock bar, right? I was told recently about one who wanted to put a garden in their backyard. And so they bought this nice rear tine tiller. Where I come from, almost the first pass, man, just sinks down into that sandy soil and it's just like woo, 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 moving through because the soil's so soft. That's not true in the Ozarks. That ground is hard and, and the first few passes is more like some kind of uh, um, uh, uh, shock treatment as you try to hold on to the tiller and it vibrates you across the top of the ground back and forth. And after three or four hours of a lot of mitol and a lot of ibuprofen to, to, to quiet the soreness of the muscles, you go back and do it again. And every time you break a little deeper into that and finally, after seasons of trying to get those tines down and after pulling up all those rocks, you begin to prepare a dirt and a soil that's ready to receive the seed. Listen to me, friends. Jesus is telling us there is no neutral response to God's Word. You never hear it and remain unmoved. When heard, you are either humbled to receive it or hardened toward God from it. This is true in the preaching of God's word. This is true in the reading of God's word. This is true in the study of God's word. The soil that resists the seed is either cold and frozen or dry and hard. The heart must be prepared to receive the gospel so it can take root and grow. The second soil of the heart is identified in verse 13. Look there with me. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. The second soil of the heart is called the shallow soil. Shallow soil has nowhere for roots to grow and for roots to take hold. This person, though, it tells us, shows an initial reaction, but they have no lasting change. This is what I call the church junkie. The church junkie. This person 
often gets really excited about church. They love worship. It's the best workout for them all week long. And so they come, and they're all about it, man. I mean, they're into it. And, and, and in some ways, everybody else is a little intimidated because they're not as in it as this person might be. There are some people who are this way about ministry. They like to do good, and the endorphins and the dopamine that are triggered by the doing good do good to them. And as long as they're doing good, it feels good to them. And so they think that that's what Christianity is all about. Others choose some other activity about the church. And they always show up when that activity comes up. And they're all about it. And it seems so much like the right thing. Here's what I would say. There's a whole lot of whoopty from them when they get high. But there's no dew that follows when the rush wears off. Friends, too much Christianity today is little more than moving people from one high to the next. We take our models for church off of the local drug dealer strategy of just keeping people high and we won't have to bother with anything else. Church junkies love the thrill and the rush of it all. But when the thrill is gone, they never walk in obedience to Jesus they just satisfied to walk, listening to B.B. sing one more verse of the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. Jesus says the result of falling away actually shows the reality of the initial reception. They got caught up in emotional experiences. They get caught up in traditional practices. They get caught up in false hopes. And once the initial thrill subsides, they feel dissatisfied. They even feel betrayed or frustrated. They get mad at the church because their problems didn't go away. They get mad at others because they weren't satisfied with the way somebody treated them or they got offended by something that came up and offended what was going on within them. They got mad at God because he didn't do what they wanted or they got mad at the Bible because it was too hard to make any lasting change. And how could anyone expect to keep doing that when it doesn't seem like it could ever work? in the world friends shallow soil always blames others the church or God for their problems and for their challenges so that they can avoid the convicting work of the spirit and the light of God's truth shallow soil only searches for the next fix to get by in whatever form it may take but they never bother with deepening any application of the gospel so Jesus can take deeper root within them. Hear me. Just like the first soil, shallow soil is not the heart of one who is truly a Christian. The third soil is in verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. The third heart soil is the thorny soil. And here's what happens in the thorny soil. It doesn't give the seed any priority. It receives the seed. 
But it receives it in the way that it receives everything else. And the seed remains unknown because of the prominence of everything else. You see, the seed is not prioritized and therefore everything else holds equal priority and equal significance to the seed. It may even begin to grow But the other things that are choking it, that are pressing against it, are never let go of. You never say no to other things so that you can say yes to the seed that's actually going to bear life. And what ultimately happens is there's no room for growth because the heart and the life are occupied by other things. Please hear carefully what I'm saying to you today. The other things that occupy the heart and the life choke the seed of God's word. You see, the thorny soil is the soil of life that's consumed with the busyness, with the riches, with the pleasures, with the worries, with the anxieties. And so maturity can never happen. Why? Because everything is given equal prominence in life. And these thorns and these weeds, they don't just appear overnight. Many of them weren't even there when the seed first got put in the soil. But man, I'm going to tell you, things pop up that are thorny and weedy overnight, do they not? My wife plucked a weed out of our flower bed yesterday that was about 18 inches high that had grown that big in less than two days. And when she pulled it up, it didn't even have a root ball. It was just this big thing. And so... From all appearances, it was saying, hey, I'm something bad, I'm something good, you need to let me grow. But the truth of the matter is, it wasn't anything but ugly and choking out space for good to be able to grow. They don't appear all at once. So often they come in as small things that are just left to tend for themselves. And we begin to think, oh, I can fix this, or I can deal with that later, or I can overcome this, or control it, or manage it, or, you know, that doesn't look so bad. It's got a nice little purple flower on the top of it anyway. Never mind, it's ragweed, and it realizes that people are going to be riddled by it come August. I'm sorry, now I'm personally testifying. But then overnight, it's out of control. And you wake up one day and you go, have mercy, how did this happen? And the fact of the matter is, it's been happening and growing all along. Listen, friends, thorny soil buries God's word. It buries it. It buries the truth of it. It buries that little, still, small voice within, that inkling of the Holy Spirit that is speaking and pointing to the Word but goes, man, I don't have time for that today. Man, I've got so many other things on my plate. I'll deal with God tomorrow. He's full of grace anyway, right? And tomorrow, God, will be the day that you and I get it right. It deals with everything else with a priority equal to everything God puts in you. And the problem is everything else becomes comes the heap up on the top of God's seed and God's seed is buried so deep it's never able to sprout in life. There's no de-weeding filter in the thorny soil. There's an overall lack of godly wisdom and discernment. Oh yes, the morality of God's word is held at the same level everything else is. But when you really consider what's going to be, you go, this must be the path. It's the one that seems like it's going to work best for me. Instead of going, where is God leading in this? Whether or not it seems to be where the current is flowing or not. 
There's no real shift of one's affections or adoration to Christ. There's a complete lack of self-control and regarding, or excuse me, and guardedness against the youthful lusts of life or the things that we're told to rid ourselves of. We just manage them. We let them hang around. We put up with them. We actually become comfortable with them and we don't rid ourselves of the sinfulness or even the competing idols when God's word tries to say, hey, that's becoming a real problem in your heart. You going to deal with it? You go, yes, I am. First thing next week. But most of all, this soil, the thorny soil, is just simply not willing to be de-weeded. Here's the grave danger. This is so incredibly close to Christianity. And from every outward appearance it would seem yet it's not it's not thorny soiled people build a shell based on what they think Christianity ought to be but there is no life growing within they're trying to impose it from the outside instead of planting it more deeply within to let it grow. When we love God's word the same way that we love everything else, we prevent his power from working in our life by giving less priority to that which is more glorious. Verse 15. The fourth soil. As for that in the good soil... They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The fourth kind of heart soil is the good soil. It may seem a bit strange for some to think as the heart is soil, but the fact of the matter is a lot of things grow in the heart, don't they? Gladness, joy, bitterness, anxiety, jealousy. It causes us to ask, what is it that's growing in my dirt? What is it that's growing in my dirt? You see, good soil takes much hard work. And he really identifies three characteristics of that hard work here. First of all, the heart of good soil readies itself to receive God's word. There's never a moment when a Christian doesn't recognize there's very likely some fallow ground that needs to be broken up in my heart and in my life. And there's no better time to break up fallow ground than when the water runs over it. Talk to any farmer in southwest Missouri and they'll tell you this. The day after a rain is the best time to turn over the ground. Why? Because it's still softened from the water that's run over it. The heart of good soil hears in a way that demonstrates its readiness and receptiveness. Acts 13, 48 tells us this. It says that when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they honored the word of God. They received it with a readiness. And every time you hear God's word, friends, you recalibrate all that is in your heart to honor the word above all The heart of good soil hears God's word by honoring it and positioning it in a place to receive it. 
God, I know that you are Lord. You are Lord of all and you are Lord of this life. And whatever you say to me, whether it confronts me in the way I've been living in my attitude, my actions, or my words, or whether it calls me to encouragement and challenges me on, I receive it with gladness today. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears whatever you have to say today. But there's another part to this work that he points out. The heart of good soil holds fast to God's word. Once the word is rightly honored, now it begins to saturate all of life. And and the word comes into us as the light and it illuminates all that is going on within us. And, And that word illuminates just simply the work of the light of God's word and the presence of his Holy Spirit working together within us to inform us with spiritual insight and power. In other words, understanding of the ways and the will and the work of God, but also by lighting our path. That's what the psalmist says. Your word is a light unto my path and a a, a light unto my feet. Every step I take and the way in which I walk. And that's what the word becomes for us when we hold fast to God's word. The word illumines with spiritual insight and power to lead us forth. It shines light on the areas of our heart heart that are sinful and and where we've closed ourselves off to God and where we've acted and done and thought and and the inclinations of our heart where we've uh, been in contrast to God's word. But it also shines forth righteousness in relationship to sin to lead us in obedience in God's good will. God never responds to our repentance when we turn away from sin and we turn to him and go, hey, good job, good luck. No, friends, the spirit of God, the gospel of John tells us, comes into our life and brings conviction in regards to unrighteousness and wickedness where sin remains us. And it brings conviction in regards to righteousness in the lighted way of God's word in which he wants us to walk. When we turn away from sin, there's always a step towards Jesus for us to take, to walk in obedience by faith to him. And that's why we're holding on to his word. Because sometimes we read his word and here's what we say, I don't have a clue how that could possibly happen. The heart of good soil holds fast to the word by faith as God's word purges sin and roots righteousness thoroughly within us. You see, Romans 4 tells us that that's what Abraham did when God said, hey, come on, let's go. He got a word. And there was God's word and he held it. Where are we going? I'll tell you later. How are we going to get there? One step at a time. And until you take the first one, you're never going to get to the second one. But Romans tells us this, Abraham, against all hope, held fast to God's word. And God used him in a way that was physically impossible and spiritually innumerable to bring about a people for his glory and his will. And he didn't do it because Abraham was a special person. He did it because God is a unique living God. He'll do the same thing in your life when you receive his word and when you hold fast to it as he leads you forth. Finally, the heart of good soil bears fruit with patience in obedience to God's word. Faith perseveres, friends, to hold God's word until its roots take hold and grow to bear fruit. Philippians 1.6 says this, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will not stop 
until he is finished. And when he is finished, you will be perfectly complete. Friends, God's word gives abundant life to those who want it, who hear it, who take hold of it, and who persevere in obeying it. I'm going to ask you this morning to give serious consideration to your own heart and to ask yourself, what kind of dirt is my heart holding? Is it hard soil? Is it shallow soil? Is it thorny soil? If by the work of God's word washing over you today, the spirit of God says to you, yes, to one of those three, I graciously present to you that you need to, for the first time in your life, repent. And by faith in Jesus, turn and receive eternal life today. If today the spirit says to you, you are good soil. Don't stop preparing the soil every time the water washes over it. Then I want to encourage and challenge you today. Let the Spirit of God show you as you take hold of that word and you persevere by faith in what he's doing. Let the Lord show you where repentance of sin needs to be brought about. And obedience and walking in righteousness needs to take you forth today. Every person must consider their own life. And let the Spirit of God search them. And bring to light the true state of their heart. I'm going to ask the worship team to return. Friends, as they come back today. Can I encourage you in this way? The last thing I want to do is scare or pressure people into a quick decision. Rather, I do want to lead you into a serious consideration for all of us. None disregarded. Well, pastor, man, I made a decision early on in life, and that's, I've always hung to that. The greatest way for you today to discern what kind of soil is my heart is to answer this question. What's growing in me right now? What's growing in me right now? Is it righteousness? Is it holiness? Is it faithful obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it regular repentance, confession of sin? Here's the thing. Good soil doesn't mean weeds never grow. No, weeds love to take over good soil. Good soil doesn't mean that hard places never rise. Good soil doesn't mean that sometimes there's not places where it's shallow in your life. But good soil always means this. That when the word of God comes, you use it for the very purpose that God sent it forth as it washes over you. And you receive it as God sends it. You respond 
by taking hold of what he's saying and addressing the areas of your life that by his spirit he's speaking to you this morning and you begin the cultivating work of the gospel to make sure that seed takes its place where it is prioritized above all things and where the other things of life have competed with it you confess that and you repent to turn away from that and you say Jesus you are Lord of my life even though I've been serving everything else this last week this last month this last year you are Lord and you alone and I'll give you the place of priority in my life that you alone are worthy to hold and I'll let everything else serve you that's what good soil does friends are you good soil today have you been saved in the way Jesus defines salvation are you playing Christianity impressing everybody around you we're convinced but we don't matter Jesus alone matters how are you with him today let's pray father help us help us to see clearly not in just one instant or moment help us not to be too proud of one right thing we've done or feel too condemned in one wrongness that we've committed but rather help us to lay our hearts and our lives open today to the spirit and just say god shine your light in me and show me in my life what I need and give me the grace to receive what you want to say to me today in Jesus name